Welcome to the Little Man Big Mouth Podcast with me, Jonah. I'm a kid who loves sports. I can talk about sports every day, all day. Think you can handle that? Then stick around for today's show. Our guest today is Matt Stanfield, a veteran amateur baseball umpire. But first, let's get into some news. Let's talk about the Super Bowl. The 2022 Super Bowl had its ups and downs. Everybody was shocked to see OBJ's injury, but somehow his team kept going. Defense was the name of the game. Aaron Donald and Von Miller both got two sacks for a stifling Rams D. The Bengals defense also played well, picking off Matthew Stafford two times. We even had a little bit of trickery with Joe Mixon, the Bengals running back, throwing his first NFL career touchdown. In the end, the battle team won, and the Rams are Super Bowl champs. That's right, OBJ gets a ring after all. Next up, the NBA MVP race has heated up with Steph Curry, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Nikola Jokic, and Joel Embiid in the top four spots. Let's also not forget LeBron James putting up amazing stats on a losing Lakers team. He's out of the race with the Lakers struggling so much. Steph Curry and Giannis are the favorites, while Embiid has been out of this world. The, the addition of James Harden will likely reduce his stats. Harden is so ball-dominant that he is going to reduce the number of touches that Joel Embiid receives. To be honest, I think Embiid would trade MVP for a shot at a ring, which he now has with the beard on his team. Baseball. We have none. Thanks, owners and players. Your selfishness means we don't have any spring training underway, and the season is now in the balance. A piece of advice for all of you, grow up! Stop being so self-centered and remember the people who matter most. The fans! Strange news alert. Vitals in the Bianchi Rock Cobbler, a very difficult California bike race, expected the usual sore muscles after the 80-mile off-roader. They did not expect... However, neck and back injuries suffered after being attacked by a bull during the race. One rider named Tony told reporters that he could see the animal up ahead. He wasn't worried at first because he often bikes by cows without any problem. However, when Tony got close, the animal turned and he realized it was a bull, not a cow. With only seconds before impact, Tony braced himself just before being sent flying into the air. Two other riders were also attacked, but survived and finished the race. Holy cow! It gives a new meaning to taking the bull by the horns when you get bulldozed off your bike. Now, that does it, folks, for this week's news. Our next segment is Unscripted with a new format. 
Gabriel joins me as we dish in front of hot takes, left and right for you. Our first topic is... These were the lowest rated Winter Olympics in recent memory. It follows a low rated Summer Olympics. Will there be better ones ahead or is this trend going to continue? I think there will be better ones ahead. I feel like this trend has been happening recently because of protests of the COVID restrictions for the Olympics and also because the Winter Olympics were in Beijing this year, which has been struggling with a lot of human rights issues. I disagree. The world is t changing. People nowadays do not have the attention span to watch all the Olympics. All they want is short clips, two minutes maximum. The popularity of the Olympics is just going to go down. And our next topic is... A new golf league has popped up, run by Greg Norman and funded by Saudi Arabia. Is this good for professional golf? Is it a good idea to have two leagues? Neither. This is not good for sports or golf. This is like a competition between two leagues and the Saudi Arabia League is taking players from the PGA. This is not good. I completely disagree with you. This is an amazing thing for golf. It is getting golf back into the headlines, and it is making it interesting as you have Saudi Arabia trying to poach players like the USFL did to the NFL, and this would just have the PGA Tour grow stronger and become more popular. Our third topic is... With the Major League Baseball owners and players still not in agreement, will we have baseball this season? I think we will still be see seeing another baseball season, but I think it will be a shorter one as I doubt that the players and owners will be reaching an agreement soon. I agree and disagree with you. I agree that baseball will be coming back, but I disagree on the reason. The reason will be because of the fans. The players will finally realize they're doing this to make the fans happy. The fans? The players don't care about the fans at all. All they want to do is make money, just like the owners. Both sides are greedy, so they are not going to be reaching an agreement soon. But the only reason they're going to reach an agreement is by the fans. See, the players are trying to make things work, but the owners are just trying to get money, trying to get money, trying to get money. The fans will try and convince the players to play. Then reach out to the owners and say, please, we want our baseball back. Give us Cracker Jacks and Peanuts. I, ag I agree with you that the fans are the reason why the owners are making money, but they are not going to be the reason why they're going to reach an agreement. Either one side is going to have to give in a lot more than they are right now, as they can't agree on the littlest of things. And our last topic is... Super Bowl halftime show this year. Who was the real star? Snoop Doggy Dog! He ran it all! I disagree with you. The real star of the show is Dr. Dre, the father of hip-hop and rap. And that does it, folks, for our unscripted segment. Next up, Heroes and Zeros! Welcome to Heroes and Zeros, where we look at the best and the worst of the sports world. First, let's start on the not-so-sunny side. This week's Zeros 
are the Russian figure skating coaches. Kamala Valeva, a 15-year-old female skater from Russia, tested positive for banned substances prior to the Olympics in Beijing. This news came after Valeva and her Russian teammate won gold in team figure skating. The situation became a mess when it came out that she tested positive more than a month ago, but was still allowed to compete. One result of this situation is that all team skaters for other countries who should have earned medals are still waiting because Valieva's situation is now resolved. The coaches deserve all the blame. As a minor, she clearly re received the substances from her coaches and may not have even known what they were. Making things worse, the coaches showed no emotion or compassion for her when Valieva broke down during the individual competition. They should be banned from future sports for the way they treated this young athlete. Russia's skating coaches are true zeros. On the brighter side of things, my hero of the week is Leah Thomas. Thomas is the transgender swimmer for Penn University. Thomas has become the face of campaigns to let transgender women compete in women's sports. This has been a struggle as states have passed laws to prevent transgender individuals from participating in sports other than as their gender at birth. While lawmakers claim it is about fairness, it is fair to say it is more about their own transphobia. Even with these roadblocks, Leah Thomas has kept moving forward, winning several races in the Ivy League. Thomas is a hero to all transgender athletes hoping for the chance to compete. That does it for Heroes and Zeros. Time now for the draft. Jonah and Gabriel will go back and forth discussing the topic of the week, each selecting their favorite items that match the subject. This week's topic, food found at baseball stadiums. The boys have flipped a coin and they're ready to go. I won the talk, so now I gotta go first. My number one is peanuts. It's a classic. I agree with you. It is a classic ballpark food. It's salty and crunchy, and you can never go wrong. Do you like a certain type of peanuts, or do you like just like this normal salt? Normal salty, that's good. Okay, my favorite one is honey roasted peanuts. Ooh, that sounds really good. I need to try that one, day. So now with my first pick, I am taking a hot dog. Ketchup, mustard, or relish. They're all good on a hot dog. Do you like them all on one hot dog, or do you like it like separate? I prefer relish and ketchup together and then mustard by itself. Why not mustard with relish? Do you not just not like the combo? No, I don't like the flavor of the, of the pickles and the mustard mixing together. It's not a great flavor for me. Okay. Um, with my number two, I'm going with the soft pretzel. Softy or cinnamony does not matter. It is still spectacular. I had the, pre the soft pretzel lower on my list, but I still think that is a pretty good pick for round two. It, do you prefer salty or cinnamony? Cinnamon. It is so good. 
I, and it has so much sugar on it. I like it. Which one do you prefer? I prefer a more savory, salty pretzel, but both are good. Now with my second pick, I am taking nachos, chips, meat, cheese, and vegetables all mixed together. It creates a ballpark delicacy. Do you like the mess though? I am not a big fan of a mess, but it does not make that much of a mess compared to other food. Cause you know, you get, you get the cheese dip and it could fall on you and it's really hot. So you'd be like, bang, 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 bang. And then it can maybe like make a hole in like your clothing. And it, it's not as that hot as you think it is. But do you like cheese dip on your nachos? I actually do not. I just like the jalapenos. I like the spice and the kick to it. Do you like jalapenos on yours? Not, I don't prefer jalapenos on you my nachos. You can't take the spice? You can't take the spice, Gabriel? Well, I guess Gabriel can't take the spice. But with my number three pick, I'm going with the baseball cap ice cream. It might be ordinary vanilla ice cream, but when it's from a tiny batting helmet, it means something. I agree with you. I still have some of those tiny batting helmets still here after we after going to some of the Red Sox games. We, right? Yeah, we when we used to go to Red Sox games. I think it's a great ballpark snack and to come home with a little memorable cap of the game. And now with my third pick, I am coming out of left field and I'm taking fried grasshoppers from the Seattle Mariners. Do you like grasshoppers? Because they got those like little legs, like the hairy legs. They're, it, the fried grasshoppers have an amazing crunch and they are packed with protein. That doesn't answer my question. How do you like them like that? Beady eyes. They got the little antennas sticking out of them. Well, they got the hairy legs. Well, the eyes are removed before you eat them. And it, it's fried, so you can never go wrong. But is it better than scorpions? Because I know like those scorpions are in like lollipop. I cannot say that it is better than scorpions. I've never actually had a scorpion in a lollipop. Oh, well, this is really bugging me out. Now it's time for my fourth pick. With my fourth pick, it's Cracker Jacks. With the crack and the jack. Crunchy and salty. And it's good for singing the seventh inning stretch song. Take me out to the ball game. Take. Me out with the crowd. Buy me some peanuts and Cracker Jacks. I don't care if I never get back. Root, 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 root for the home team. Now that is an amazing snack. I, the crunch and the sweetness mixed perfectly together. And it be, being a baseball staple in many stadiums, that is a great fourth round pick. Thank you. Now, with my fourth round, I'm surprised this is even still on the board. But I'm taking Hot Dog's Cousin, the hamburger. You can put relish, pickles, mayo, ketchup, honey, mustard, and barbecue on it, and it is still amazing. Do you like all of those on top of the hamburger or separate? Uh, I put, I, some of them I prefer separate, but I like mixing some of them together, like mixing ketchup and mayo. That is a really good combination. Do you sometimes make the Chick-fil-A sauce with the 
honey mustard and the barbecue sauce, and like you mix them together and make uh, a yummy sauce. I am not a fan of uh, Chick Fil A sauce on my hamburgers. Really, I like it on my chicken Chick Fil A sandwiches, but not on my hamburgers. Oh, very interesting. Yeah. So, what is your last pick? My last pick is the spectacular churro dog from the Arizona Diamondbacks. It's got whipped cream, ice cream, a churro, and hot fudge, all in a glazed donut bun. This is the definition of sugary goodness, diabetes, and sugar rush. This sounds like a spectacular delicacy in Arizona. Have you ever tried one? I have not, but I am looking forward to it next time I go to Arizona. So now with my last pick, I am taking the buttery goodness of popcorn. Even though it is typically you seen in the movie theaters, it is still an amazing ballpark food. That's a decent pick, though it gets stuck in your teeth, picking it out like with your, with your fingers like the whole game. Do you like that? I am not a fan of that, but that is the main reason why it fell to my last pick of this draft. So what was your favorite pick of all these drafts? I'm pretty proud of picking the churro dog. It was kind of sleeper, but it kind of roasted me after um, I heard what was in it and the sugary goodness of a dessert. I agree with you. It, it, it was a sleeper, and I can't wait to try when I'm in Arizona. And now with my, my favorite pick was probably the fried grasshoppers. They, they are such a weird food to have a baseball game but they are a delicacy all around the world. That's kind of a strange pick. I was really weirded out that you picked that because it's a bug and like no one really likes bugs. So I was kind of surprised that you picked that as a baseball. Well, in America, not that many people like bugs, but across the world and a lot like in like Asia and Africa, it, it can be seen as a delicacy and they're eaten at banquets and stuff. Cool. Nice tip. Yeah, no problem. And that does it for the draft. All this talk about stadium foods has made me hungry, which means it's time to take a trip to Brooks Burgers and Brooks Tavern, voted number one in Florida and the number two burger nationwide. Owner Todd Brooks has put together an amazing assortment of delicious burger options. Want a burger with a sweet donut bun? Just like a churro dog, he's got it. Looking for an impossible burger? Got it. Savory fig and fine. That too. Best of all, they even make the experience fun for everyone. On my last visit, we were served by a robot. That's right, our food came to our table by way of a fun robot with cat ears and a cat face. Welcome to the 21st century. So when you're done, Listening to our show, head over to Brooks and let them know that the little man with the big mouth sent you. My guest today is Matt Stanfield, a veteran amateur umpire with a background at Perfect Game and Ump Nation. Matt has officiated at Major League Spring Training games as well as minor league baseball and college events. Hi, Matt. How are you doing today? I'm doing good, Jonah. How are you? Good. I'm excited that you're on the show. I'm very happy to be here. I'm glad you asked. Thank you. You're welcome. 
Did you ever think you'd become a umpire when you were a kid? Uh, no. Uh, actually, I kind of started just like most any other athlete with dreams of making it to the professional level. Uh -oh. And so I went to college, uh, played some Division I college baseball as a catcher and spent three years in that program. And then unfortunately got cut from that program. Um, so that's kind of when the dream died as a professional to become a professional baseball player. Um, stayed at school uh, for a little bit for about another year. Ended up taking you know a night shift job, getting and got into the fire service, where I spent 20 years as a firefighter paramedic. Wow! And then got out of there and said, "Hmm, what else could I do? Let's try officiating." So I went to my local little league and asked what I needed to do to be an, an umpire. And the at that time, I didn't know he was the president of the league. Put his arm around me and said, "What are you doing tomorrow night?" Uh, with absolutely no training whatsoever, he was going to throw me out there. So uh, we kind of fostered a good relationship, and I started there and worked my way for tryouts for Ump Nation and Perfect Game mm. back in the fall of 2009. When um, my first major Perfect Game event in Jupiter for the National uh, World Championships in 2009 as an umpire with about a month and a half experience at most. Uh, went over there to, like, like I said, the arguably the best amateur baseball tournament in the country. <laughs> so, and it just kind of took off from there. When did you really first connect with baseball? Because you said you went to, you started as a kid, like around like what age? Oh man, I started T-ball at five, six years old. Wow. And I said, played all through, you know, the Little League ranks. Uh, Babe Ruth did what what is now considered travel ball when I was probably 15 through 18 in Ohio. Um, played my high, you know, played on my high school team, then went to college. Uh, I actually won two two letters for at, at college, so I got a two year college letterman in baseball. Um, but it really, you know, it was kind of one of those you start as a kid and. Mm -hmm. When you're really, when you're good, I don't want to say I was really good, but that's for my mom and dad to say, um, you know, when you're, when you're a better player and you're on the all-star teams and everything, you think, man, hey, you know, I got a shot, I got a shot. And as you get up, move up in the levels, you know, you're the best player in Little League. Then you go to Babe Ruth and you're like, well, I'm not so, not really the best anymore. Or you're still the best player. Then you go to high school and you're the best player in your high school team. Then you go to college and your college team is filled with the best players from their high school team. Mm -hmm. So now you got to stand out again and it just weeds, you know, I think it's 8%, eight or 16% of the kids that play high school sports go on to play college sports. 1% of those kids end up playing professionally. Wow. So the dream, the dreams die hard and they die quick for a lot of kids. Um, thankfully mine just, didn't die till I got to college. Did you play any other sports growing up besides baseball? I did. I played football in high school, junior high and high school. Uh, tried my hand at basketball in junior high, and tried. And then I wasn't. I was not good at basketball. I'll put it that way. I was five foot nothing, and 
had all had to virtually shoot granny shots for foul shots. So I, I was not good at basketball. So I said, you know what? Let's just fo- concentrate and focus on, you know, getting better for baseball and ultimately mm-hmm. secondarily football. <coughs> Excuse me. So it was weight room, you know, in high junior, well, not junior high, but high school. We played football. I'd stay in the weight room. Then baseball season come around. And that was a cycle. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, football was great because it, it was great for endurance and leg strength. Um, like I said, basketball, nah, that was that was a big old brick shot that I threw up there mm-hmm. for a couple of years. <laughs> um, who was your favorite baseball player and team when you were growing up? Wow. Uh, growing up in Dayton, Ohio area, I would probably say – since cable wasn't really all that prevalent when I was growing up and it was mostly local stuff. So I'd probably have to go with the Cincinnati Reds because they were the biggest, closest team to us. Right. Um, being a catcher, I always liked Johnny Bench because he was the, you know, the best catcher on the best team in baseball as far as I was concerned. <clears throat> and then moving forward um, towards, I guess towards the end of my high school career, is when Ivan Rodriguez kind of popped onto the scene and started following him a little bit um, and actually followed his career all the way up until I was actually able to be at his Hall of Fame induction ceremony. Wow. With my, with my now wife, we, were, we had just met that year. We had connections because I was in upstate New York working summer college ball and she had a ticket connection for the ceremony. I had a ticket connection for the ceremony. So we were able to get tickets and we saw him um, and then the other guys escaped me. I know Bud Selig was one of them, him, Tim Raines, I think, and one other guy uh, were inducted that year. So he he's kind of special to both of us because we were we were there for that. And I've, I had followed him since his rookie year and, you know, coming out of uh, Dominican where he was and everything so yeah bench the reds and probably pudge wow well we know that baseball players play little league then high school sometimes college minor leagues then the mlb how does how does one become an umpire like you said you just got thrown out there how do you actually become an umpire and how does someone get into the major leagues so there's the path that i am aware of and it has since changed, and I'll try to fill you in a little bit about that as well. But up until last year, if you wanted to take a chance of becoming a major league umpire, you had to go to to one of two professional umpire schools. Um, when I went to umpire school in 2012, there were actually three schools, Jim Evans, Harry Wendell Stats, and then minor league baseball put on their own, and it was called the umpire school. Mm. In 2012, Jim Evans shut down his school for a couple different reasons. Um, bad judgment off the off the field is what caused it. You can your listeners can Google what happened with everything. Um, the Major League Baseball forced him to shut his school down basically because of it. So then there was two <laughs> up until this year. Minor League Baseball shut their school down because Major League Baseball took Minor League Baseball over. So now there's only one school, Harry Wendelstadt. So moving forward, 
if you, Jonah, want to be an umpire, major league umpire, you go to Harry Wendelstadt School. Okay. You have to finish in the top 10% of that school approximately. It might be up a little bit more because they're, they need more bodies and there's only one school. Typically, Wendelstadt would send 20 to 25 kids. Evans would send 20 to 25 kids and they would go to what's called the evaluation course or advanced class. So you show well at your school, you finish in the top 10, 15%, you go to the advanced class. There, you either get a job or you get put on a wait list. And that's where you go to minor league baseball. Okay. So you go to the advanced class. If you finish in the, the top one or two students at the advanced class, you can actually skip rookie ball, which is uh, either the Arizona League or the Gulf Coast League. And if not, everybody starts there. And not the quirky thing about umpire advancement, every umpire has to hit every level. Oh. So if, if you don't get, the only thing you get to skip is rookie ball again, if you finish high enough. If not, you go to Gulf Coast League, short A, long A, high A, double A, triple A. Right. You have to hit every one of those steps. Doesn't say how long you have to be there, but you have to hit every one. Players can skip levels. Okay. And that journey from rookie ball up to, to get to triple A could be anywhere from six to eight years. Wow. Not counting. Now, once you get to AAA, if no major league guys retire, you may be stuck in AAA up to eight years or until you say, hey, man, there's no movement. I'm going to retire. Or you do something goofy on the field or off the field and they fire you because mm. that has happened. <clears throat> so from there, You've hit all your steps. You're in AAA. Like this year, I think we had five or six major league guys retire. So that opened up a ton of spots now. So now you guys have been in AAA. Sean Barber been in AAA, I think, eight or nine years. He just got hired full-time as a major league umpire. Wow. He had close to 1,000 or so major league games as a fill-in because he was considered a fill-in or a call-up. Mm -hmm. Finally got a shot as a full-time job. He got it after eight or nine years in AAA. So it takes a long time to become like a major league umpire. It does. Statistically, it is easier to become the governor of a state than it is to become a major league umpire. Wow. Because there are obviously 50 governors of, of the states and there are 72 major league umpire positions. <laughs> so you get a one in 72 chance out of everybody in the system. Yeah. So every umpire has their own way to call strike three. What's yours? Mine, um, I, I basically call her out strike three and I come up and do what they call the bow and arrow where you just kind of come back and pull somebody out. Not, not too flashy. You know, I've, when I first started my umpiring, I, I did different things, you know, I would watch clips of guys in the big leagues and stuff like that and people that I knew and people did different things. They'd throw their hand up and or just call somebody out. I had other guys that would turn to the side and do stuff like this. I said, you know what? I, I don't want a whole lot of attention put on me because it's not about me. So I just kind of decided when I'm down, I see strike three. In fact, I worked last night, had a couple of high school games last night. 
Um, basically, I stay down. I go, I just say strike three and come up and I pop them out like that. And that's simple. I imagine that you feel a lot of pressure when you're working a game. Have you ever made a call and later wondered if it was the right one? All the time. All the time. Mm -hmm. Usually, um, usually it happens when a coach comes out and he is, you know, really animate that you got the call wrong. And you start thinking in your mind, did I miss that? There's no way I missed that call. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm sitting right here on top. There's no way. And you think about it and think about it. And yeah, in fact, had a call at first base last night. I had the kid out. Coach didn't like it. He came over and he said, he said, you missed that. That was a terrible call. Okay. I'm not changing it. So let's just move on. And he did. And then after the game, I asked my partner, I said, did I miss that call? And he resoundingly said, no, that kid was out. Uh, he said, I don't know why he's the reason he came out. The reason the coach came out was it was they were getting a perfect game thrown against him at the time, and <clears throat> he's fighting for his kids. I get it. You know, you want to fight for him, that's fine. And he didn't make a big spectacle about it. He just came over and he's like, Hey, I, you know, I had a better look at it than you did. I think he was safe. Okay. Well, then you umpire next time and I'll go coach, Yeah, you know, but we're not, we're, we're not going to change the call on, on a judgment. We're not going to change our call like that. If it's something he thinks I missed a pulled foot or a swipe tag, I can go to my partner and get help, but we're not going to do that on a judgment. Cause if we start going for help on judgment calls, that's like a little baby or a child asking dad for permission, getting told no and going asking mom and getting told yes. <laughs> you know, we're not, dad just said no. I'm not going to ask my partner and we're going to have granddad say yes. So judgment calls are what they are. You don't like it. Move on. Right. So, yeah, I've, I've done it all the time. We always question our calls like, man, I don't know. Didn't, maybe I didn't have a good look at it. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe I spaced out. I mean, because believe it or not, it happens. You know, we'll get in there and like, oh, oh, yeah, I'm supposed to be watching this. Okay. Oh, no. Yeah, he's, he's safe. You know, it's, yeah. it happens. It does happen. We're human. Coaches, players, and fans all have a lot of passion. What was the crazy, craziest thing that happened after you made a call that someone disagreed with? You never really had anybody blow up too crazy, you know, because you're right. There is a passion to the game, and, you know, I, I get that. I had a coach, this was during a perfect game event, had a coach come out and wanted to argue a call and wanted to throw around – uh, some homophobic terms on the field, you know, because he was just so animate that I made it such a bad call that, you know, he started calling me some slang words. And, you know, so that was kind of, it was disappointing and shocking at the same time that he would actually come out and, and do that. Tell me, why do we always see coaches kicking the dirt on home plate when they came out, come out to argue with an umpire and what do you do when someone gets in your face like that the reason they kick dirt on the plate typically is because they the conversation goes you can't even see the plate anyway so why do we even have it so they kick dirt on it oh secondly for that reason we're taught to keep the plate clean mm -hmm. so that just makes an added step now i gotta bend over and clean the plate off from this guy kicking dirt on it um you know, they think they're 
I don't know, making us mad or said, oh, I'll teach you. I'll kick dirt on your plate. So you got to clean it off. Okay. You know, it, it, it is what it is. Same with kicking dirt on the shoes because umpires take such pride in keeping their shoes clean. Coaches want to kick dirt on them. Now you got to clean your shoes again. Ha, ha, ha on you. So that's what that's all about. <clears throat> um, you know, when I first started, when coaches would come out and want to argue and get in my face and stuff, I got – I had mixed emotions. Part of me at first was scared because I didn't know what was going to happen. The other part to that was anger to a point where I would shake a little bit because I was so angry. Like, how dare you come out and confront me like this? Um, you know, over the years, that anger has gone away. And now it comes more to disbelief. It's like, why are you coming out? You saw the same thing I did. You know, yeah. If you're going to come out just to argue, I don't have a problem with that, but you need to preface that. Have some feel for the game and what you're doing. You know, if you want to come out and stick up for your players and maybe get ejected because of that, I got no problem with that. But when you come out to me to say, hey, I'm doing this for my guys, you may need to throw me out. All right, let's have it out. Now I know where you're coming from instead of, I, instead of me thinking this is a personal attack. Because some of the things these coaches say can get personal. Right. That's, a lot of, that's what a lot of people don't understand because they don't mic up the umpires. And for that reason, one, it would be a lot of swear words going off that they'd have to bleep out. Two, you know, fans don't want to hear that side of the game, believe right. it or not. You know, a lot of people, oh, no, that'd be cool. No, no you don't, you don't want to hear what I'm saying in response to a coach that just said, you know, you're bleeping terrible. Really? Well, I'm not the one that bunted down four runs either with the bases loaded and two out. So who's, whose fault is this? You know, why are you coming out on me? You, I don't come and question your coaching ability. You don't come and question my umpire ability. Mm -hmm. So it just kind of, you know, the, the whole how you handle that is almost a half a week's classroom at umpire school situation handling and stuff like that, you know, and how you respond to coaches and everything else. I always used to tell my guys when I was a, as a supervisor and we had a standing, I guess, a standing rule, if you will, with perfect games, silence cannot be quoted. So if coach comes out, he can say whatever he wants to, but if you don't say anything back to you or you don't say anything back to him, he can't now come back and say, well, he told me that my sister was ugly. Mm -hmm. I, I never said a word to you. You can't quote that. Have you ever ejected someone? Oh, yeah many times um i'm kind of <laughs> sitting in locker rooms with multiple umpires at big tournaments and stuff like that you hear stories of guys that coulda shoulda woulda thrown guys out mm -hmm. and then stories of guys that do throw a lot of people out to a point where the supervisors have to tell them hey slow your roll a little bit you're gonna mm -hmm. you're giving us a bad name um you know, I'm, I'm pretty proud of the fact that I can handle my situations to a point where I don't have to resort to ejections. Yeah. Um, not saying that ejections are not warranted in the game, but some umpires use it as a crutch to say, well, if I can't handle the situation, I'm just going to throw the guy out. Have you had a break of a fight, like with like a, like a hit by pitch, like a fight between like a pitcher and like a hitter? Um, not so much. A fight like that, the batter got hit, but I have had, I've had had fights on my field before. Um, 
most notably, it mostly happens when base runners are coming home mm -hmm. and catcher standing on the plate or standing too close to the plate and the runner runs into them, catcher takes exception to it and they start fighting. Um, in fact, I'm trying to recall, I don't think I've ever had a batter pitcher, like a batter charge the mound type of fight. Yeah. It's always been uh, a fielder or a base runner doing something really dumb mm -hmm. on the base pass that the other player took exception to and heat of the moment, you know, high school age kids, hotheads, you know, their first inclination is to start throwing punches and there you go. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> I try to break it up early if I can. If not, we're told to just step back and let it play out because uh -huh. we don't want to get, you know, we don't want to get hit by an errant punch, an errant piece of equipment. Um, three, four years ago, high school playoff game, regional final game. Uh, we had a fight between the two teams and one of the players from uh, the visiting team picked up a baseball and threw it across the diamond, ended up hitting my uh, first base umpire in the back with a baseball. Oh. So that, you know, we were just told, you know, hey, if you can't initially break it up, let them go, let them fight. Just stand back and start taking numbers. And anytime you see somebody throw a pitch, you just write their number down. It'll get to a point where it'll either fizzle out or you'll have enough numbers written down that you eject everybody. And now neither team can play and it's a double forfeit. Mm -hmm. So, but yeah, and it, I don't want to say it's part of the game, but they, it does pop up every once in a while. So I heard recently that there is talk about having robot umpires and electronic strike zones. What do you think of these ideas and why is the human umpire important? You know, I, I have the, the fortune to know a couple major league umpires and, and I'm very good friends with one in particular. Um, you know, the, the robot zones or what I call the entertainment zones on TV, mm -hmm. you know, that stuff doesn't change. You know, if you ever notice the, the box is the same, same size for Aaron Judge as it is for Altuve. Yeah. You know, and in reality, the strike zones are vastly, you know, you got Judges, which is this big, and Altuve's, which is like this big. Yeah. But the entertainment zone doesn't show that. It doesn't change. Um, and believe it or not, the players don't want electronic strike zones. And this is coming from my major league buddy. He said, because pitchers right now know they get pitches that an electronic zone wouldn't give them. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, you know, the human element of that, you know, they may get a strike call that's three inches off the plate, which is a ball width off the plate, which by rule is a strike. But if you're going to be that fine with an electronic zone, it, they may call it a ball. Okay. Right. So pitchers, they don't want that. They don't want to have to be that fine and have to pitch to a 17-inch plate. They like being able to throw to a 23-inch plate, mm -hmm. which is one ball on either side. Conversely, hitters don't want it because if you see, you'll see some of these if you when you watch start games back up, and you'll see that curveball that comes in at right at the bottom of the knee, and the catcher traps against the ground or takes it to the ground. K zone may show that as a strike but it gets called a ball. 
Okay. Now there's multiple reasons why that gets called a ball, but the main reason is because it did not look like a strike to the, right. the, to the umpire. So that's going to get called a ball. So the hitter now saying, all right, that's a ball. K-Zone saying, hey, man, that's a strike. Whoa, hang on. I, I don't want that. You know, so the players, the players really don't want the electronic zone. Mm -hmm. okay? And the human element of the umpire, as far as I'm concerned, 100% needs to stay in the game. You know what? Those 72 guys that are doing what they're doing up there are there for a reason. They're, they're pretty good. You know, the, the call on a regular basis anywhere from, you know, 95% pitches correct and they're seeing close to 300 in a game. Mm -hmm. and I got a 95% accuracy. That, that's pretty good. I mean, in school, I'd love to have gotten 95s on every test I took. You know, I mean, imagine, I mean, just think of it that way, you know, and it's, it's tough because, uh, you know, they tell you all the time when you get an umpiring, umpiring is the only sport and only profession where you're expected to be perfect from the first pitch and get better. Mm -hmm. When you say play ball, you're expected to be perfect till that, that 27th out is made 24th or 27th out is made. So it's tough. It's tough. Uh, but they, they need to stay. And finally, you, you worked for Perfect Game, where you see a lot of young players trying to one day reach the major leagues. What advice would you give to kids out there who want to achieve the top level of their sport? You know, the biggest thing that I see, kids, kids they need to put in the work. And if they don't know what the work is, they need to find out. You know, if they think they're doing what they need to do, they need to ask their coach, hey, am I doing all I can do? Um, because there's a lot, of, a lot of things that I saw as an umpire kids do that if I was a, a scout of any particular level, I would probably not take some of these kids. Okay. You know, um, don't let your mom or dad carry your bag for you. Right. Or drag your bag. I mean, come on. It's your stuff pull it, mm -hmm. you know, um, the, you know, listen to your coaches that, you know, they're there for a reason. Um, there's so many things that kids can do, you know, determination, desire, heart, all that, you know, that's great. But if you're not willing, the biggest thing, if they're not willing to put into work to get better, they're not going to. And they're, if they make it to the next level, they're going to be surprised. I was surprised when I went from high school to college because college, high school, it was fun. You get to college, you're there for virtually a job, especially if you're getting money to be there. Mm -hmm. You're now getting paid to be, to be a college baseball player. You know, it's now a job and you got to treat it as such. And if you go in, with blinders on or a blindfold on, on how that whole system works and how the process works, you're probably not going to last very long. Right. So if they, if players don't know what, you know, what, what meant is meant by the grind, they need to ask somebody, Hey, what do they mean by the grind? Mm -hmm. Why am I, what, when you say you're grinding, what does that mean? It means you're out there doing the extra work. You're in the weight room. You're early to practice. You're leading by example. You're doing all the things that, 
you know, good players and leaders and good human beings do. You know, you want to be a good player, be a good human being. Yeah. Put the work in, put the sweat in, you know, listen to your coach. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Whatever. You know, be that good person. The rest will take care of itself. If you're good, you're good. Well, thank you, Matt. I really appreciate you being my guest today. As a part of every interview, I ask my guests to take a short, rapid-fire quiz. I'll give you two options. You choose the one you like best. Are you okay. ready? Sure. Here we go. Marvel or DC? DC. Cats or dogs? Dogs. Star Wars or Star Trek? Star Wars. Being inside or outside? Outside. Car or motorcycle? Car. Chair or couch? Couch. Football or football? Football. Pool or beach? Pool. Netflix or Amazon Prime? Prime. And hot dog or hamburger? Hamburger. And finally, my listeners really want to know, what is your highest score in bowling? Oh, man. Uh, maybe 150. Mm, that's pretty good. Not a, no, not a good bowler, but yeah, maybe 150 at best. Well, thank you for your time. It was fun talking with you. Absolutely. Time talking with you, too. Uh, take care. Thanks, Jonah. Have a good one. Thank you, Matt, for that amazing interview. I've really learned a lot about umpires. Now, what would sports talk be without this? Bubkiss. So here is my list of the day. The top five least scary MLB baseball teams. Number five, the San Diego Padres. Oh, look, it's a priest. What's he going to do? Bless me? Number four, the Boston Red Sox and the Chicago White Sox. Socks make your feet warm, not scary. Number three. The Los Angeles Angels. Angels are supposed to protect you, not hurt you. Number two, the Milwaukee Brewers. What's all the brouhaha? Why should I fear someone who is making drinks? And my number one least scary MLB team is the Chicago Cubs. Aww is what everyone says when they see a cub. Not ah. When they see a bear. And that does it, folks, for the Little Man Big Mouth Podcast. Check it out next episode when it drops. Until then, see ya! Follow us on Instagram at Little Man Big Mouth Show. You can find the Little Man Big Mouth Podcast on your favorite podcast provider. Listen, rate, and subscribe to let others know how much you enjoy the show. This has been a Hefeweizen Podcast production.